0: The following message is by Pastor Steve Clark of the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City. More information is available at our website, www.slcevfree.org.
1: Father, we do ask that you would take all of the seed that was sown in VBS this last week and water it. That it would take root and grow and produce fruit. The concepts that first graders and fourth graders heard would would kind of come alive for them and that it would would grip them and that the truth would would shine. And Jesus would show Himself to them. Bring that to pass. And this morning, Father, as we turn to your word, would you do that work with us too? Because these concepts are are difficult for us as well. We know many words but oftentimes they don't connect in our minds and hearts. And so I pray, would you do that same, that very same work that we ask you to do in those young kids' lives, to do that very same work here in our lives this morning to open up the Bible to us and make it make sense to us? We have a passage before us that is not perhaps intellectually complicated, but would you make it make sense to us in our hearts? And would you produce fruit? Would You cause in it, Lord, Jesus to shine? He is the end of all of the law. It's all pointing towards Him. And would You make that evident to us this morning as we see Your requirement and see our need. Would You cause Him and what He's provided to to shine in our eyes and hearts and faith in Him to grow? Lord, be here in the room. Commission your spirit to move among us. Give life to your word. Open our hearts and speak. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I struggle very much with stubbornness, with arrogance, with pride. I'm okay at masking that. But it's still there very much. It's been there throughout my whole life. And if you'd see me when I was younger, it would not have been nearly as masked and under control. It would have stood out and you would have known it. And there's one incident in my life, there's one particular moment in my life that stands out as an eternal witness against me on this count. I was maybe 10 years old, maybe 11, I don't quite remember the age. But the picture... Me, in my living room, physically squaring off with my mom. And I have a yardstick in my hand. Using it like a club, maybe a sword or a weapon. I'm swinging it at her. Physically, that's me. Physically encountering her. If you can can picture it, it, it's a little funny. If you can think about it. Until you think about it. And then it's not funny at all. I'm I'm standing there in a physical confrontation with my mom and the pit of hell is yawning open, ready to receive me. As the accuser rises up and says in court, in the spiritual realm, in court, there he is, he's a lawbreaker, he casts down your fifth commandment, give him to me right now. The accuser is not a gentleman He's filled with rage and he has a really good case in my living room at that moment. I'm a 10-year-old boy and I have broken God's holy law. And the judge, the father, not my human father, God the father, the judge of all the living and the dead, rises up and stands over my living room, raises his hand to render a verdict. What's it going to be? What, what is he going to decide and pronounce? We're going to hold on that for a moment as we turn our attention to the fifth commandment today in the book of Deuteronomy. We've been working through the book of Deuteronomy and looking at all of the Ten Commandments, and we've looked at the introduction of the Ten Commandments and then the first four, and those first four form what's called the first table of the law because they are kind of a unit in themselves. They are all about how it is that we are to live in relationship to God, in the worship of God here in His world. So they tell us things like there is no other God but Yahweh. Don't have any other worship of any other God. Don't kind of form Him in your own image. Don't take His name in vain and try to use Him. And be sure to set aside time to remember Him and to worship Him for what He has done. That's the first unit, the first table of the law. And this morning, as we move to the fifth commandment, we're kind of turning a corner and moving to what's called the second table of the law. And it's, it's a unit itself because it changes from the, the vertical, if you will, to the horizontal. Here in, in the fifth commandment and following, it's not people and God, it's people and people. And the fifth commandment is specifically people in the family. And then moving out from there, it's that kind of a family and that relationship to God, people with other people, in Numbers 6-10. through 10. So we're turning a corner, moving into the second table of the law this morning. But it's all built on the first table. And so as, as my custom, I'm going to begin by reading from chapter 5, verse 6, to get all of the first four commandments before coming to verse 16, our text for this morning. Let me read chapter 5, verse 6-16. Six through 16. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And for today, verse 16, Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long, and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The text is pretty short and relatively straightforward. It has a simple command, and then it has a supporting reason and encouragement to keep that command. What does God require of His people? Honor your father and your mother. That is, treat your parents with a careful, sober-minded reverence and respect. Honor them. Lift them up to esteem. The word at its heart carries this idea of, of heaviness, of substance. And it's actually the word that stands behind the word for glory. So, strangely, he's saying... Bring glory to your parents. Bring honor. It's a word often used of God. Same thing. Bring glory, bring honor, bring esteem, lift up reverence. Now clearly in the context, it stands beneath the first four commandments, beneath the first table. So there's no confusion here about, you know, worship my parents above God. Do I worship them as gods? No. There's one God, says the first commandment. And beneath that, you highly esteem your parents. You revere them even you give honor to them <coughs> beneath God and so that it's clear who, who's this directed towards towards children obviously and as such it's very unique if you're a kid here this is a unique statement in that it's speaking directly to you of course all of the Bible is speaking to all ages of people but in a very unique way if you're 10 or 15 or 6 this is talking to you today very specifically, to kids, to children. But aren't we all children, sort of? I mean, we're all born to parents, right? So are we all to keep this? Are we all to honor our mothers and fathers? Yes and no. We are all to honor our mothers and fathers throughout all of their lives, but it's not done exactly the same way. In a way, there's a certain bit of common sense of this. In most cultures of the world, if you had a a 50-year-old man who himself was not just a father, but already a grandfather. In most cultures of the world, if he were to deal with his 75-year-old parents exactly like he did when he was 8, and to, to listen to them and do everything they say exactly when they say it, most cultures would find that kind of odd. So there's a certain bit of common sense of this, but beyond just common sense and culture, the Bible implies the same thing, that it's honoring throughout all of life, but done differently, shown differently, depending on the various stages in your life. We should consider the book of Ephesians chapter 6, which is an important passage because it quotes this very commandment. And in Ephesians 6, Paul commands children to obey their parents, and then he says why, and he quotes this passage. We'll get a little more into this a little bit later. But the point is, children obey as honor, And then he flips it and begins to talk to parents. And what's the dad's job in that passage? The dad's job is to raise up children in the knowledge and instruction of the Lord. So, in that context, who are the children who obey? Ones who are still being raised. Are you still being raised by your parents? In other words, are you still in their home receiving their instruction and guidance and their sustenance? Or, I think in terms of Deuteron- of Genesis, have you left your father and your mother's home and formed your own home? If you're standing independent, financially independent, then you're not in that home anymore. You're not being raised anymore. You have been raised. So the children who honor by obeying are those who are still being raised by their parents. But honoring still applies to all of us throughout all of life. And we could think then of Mark 7, where Jesus himself quotes this commandment in speaking to adults, chastising them for abandoning their elderly parents and not providing for them financially. Long story in that passage, but they were kind of working something so as to not have to give their money to support their parents. And he says, you're not honoring them. So as an adult... With elderly parents you honor by supporting them as a child you honor parents by obeying them varies depending on your stage but all of us are called to honor your father and mother which is a high bar if you think about it and so the second half of the statement of verse 16 is an encouragement to rise to that high bar or, or to make sure that that high bar is kept in your own family if you're a parent in it honor them that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that you are being given by the Lord your God. That's why you want to honor your parents, so that the blessing will come. Blessing is contingent on honoring parents. There's an application here in this commandment to to all people everywhere. Of course, God does not have two standards of holiness. He doesn't have, like, one standard that He requires of His people. You know, my people have to honor their parents. Everybody else, I really don't care. He doesn't have two standards. He has one standard. So everybody on the planet needs to think about honoring their father and mother. But there's a unique focus here because the context is in this covenant with the people of God. Remember, this is not how do you get into relationship with God. We we have to be really clear about that. This is not... How do I get in a relationship with God? Oh, I obey the Ten Commandments, and then I'm pleasing to Him, and so I'm in a relationship. No, it's since you are in a relationship, here's how you are to live in that. And the blessings of this relationship will flow if you walk in this way, and if you don't walk in this way, then there will be discipline that flows. But the whole thing assumes a relationship. This is not how you get saved. It's given that you are, then what? Be really clear about that. It says, You will experience my blessing or my discipline. And it's going to depend on do you honor your mother or your father or not. That's the text. So honor them and live long in the land that I'm going to give you. Live long in the promised rest. Enjoy the benefits of relationship with me. That's the passage. I'm going to make two observations from it. I'm going to just elaborate on the two different halves. The commandment, kind of unpack it a little bit, and then the supporting reason, the promise. I'm going to unpack that a little bit. Two observations. Start with the commandment. I'm going to express it like this The Lord intends that families be characterized by the honoring of parents. god intends that families all families everywhere but particularly families that claim an allegiance to him that they be characterized by an honoring of parents that's the straightforward meaning already looked at, at the word honor a little bit to reverence to respect to lift up and to esteem and then from that attitude different sorts of actions will follow already mentioned in Mark 7, I'm going to talk a little bit about adult parents because we're going to be focusing on, on young children. We've already mentioned Mark 7 where he addresses adult parents and makes clear that all of us still have to honor our fathers and mothers. It's going to look different depending on where you are, what your relationship is like with them, but we still must honor them. And for some of us, I don't know who, but for some of us, this is very challenging Because you had terrible parents. That's true for some of us. And the whole idea, honor that man who did that to me, is crazy. Honor those people who did this, who who abandoned me, who abused me in these ways. What in the world is that about? I'm supposed to sing their praises and exalt them and highly esteem them? So, we have to deal with that because there are some here, I am sure, that's running through your minds. And the difficult part is that yes, you do have to honor them. But the truth is that we don't honor them all in the same way. And at the very bottom level, those parents gave you life. Which presumably you're thankful for. The very fact that you live is a good thing. It means that you can have a relationship with God, and you can know Him forever. So that, at the very bottom, is a good thing. And they gave that to you, even if they gave you nothing else but trouble. And so in some way, at the very bottom level, perhaps for you, if you're in this situation, honoring looks like... I'm thankful in my mind that I live because of them. And I take care to not needlessly slander them. I speak the truth. And I don't lie and say they were great. I speak the truth, but I don't needlessly slander them. I seek justice. I called the police on my own parents. I know people who've had to do that. But I didn't willingly seek vengeance, I just sought protection and justice. Maybe that's what honoring has to look like at the very bottom level for, for some of us. I'm, I'm sure more could be said about that, and if you want to talk more about that, I'd love to. Most of us, though, have had parents who are a, a little, thankfully by the grace of God, are a little better than that. And we think through, okay, what does it mean for me as, as an adult with adult parents? How do I honor them? Well, maybe it means that you have to provide for them financially. They have health needs or or are no longer economically earning, but still need. There, there are a host of ways to think this through, but we do need to, as adults, we still need to realize, and this is particularly challenging, I think, in a Western country like ours, that we do not ship our elderly off to the farm. Uh, you know, we, we, we can't do that unless they want that, unless, they wanna, unless they're farm people and they want to live on the farm. You know what I'm saying? We can't force, you know, you go over here so that you stop inconveniencing me. Western societies, we don't really get that, myself included, that we need to. Honor your father and your mother. That's about adults, but honestly, children are the main focus of the passage. So when you turn to kids... And my my terms here, I mean, if you're a teenager and you feel kind of, you chafe at being called a child, and I'm sorry, I'm going to try to intermix terms here. I just mean kids as in those who are still dependent on their parents. There's a particular way that kids show the attitude of honoring, and that is by obeying. Paul makes that extremely clear in Ephesians 5 and 6. As he's working through three different relationships in which there is authority, And so there is an authority submitting structure. He works through three relationships there, and one of them is the parent-child one. And he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And how do I know it's right? He quotes the fifth commandment. Because God said, honor your father and your mother, that it may go well with you. Honoring means obeying. That's the way it is. Children, obey your parents. So, so teenagers all the way down to toddlers. Everybody who's still living at home, still under your, your parents' roof. If you're relying on them to support you, what honoring looks like is obedience. Obedience. So that's the commandment, and that's the question then. Do you honor your father and your mother? In other words, do you obey them? Period. Now, there's one little qualifier. I can't quite say period, because Ephesians says, in the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord. And that's an important qualifier. What that means is that this type of obedience to your parents is supposed to be pleasing to the Lord. So obviously, you cannot obey them into sin. If they tell you to do sin, if they try to involve you in some sort of sin, then obviously at that point, that would not be pleasing to the Lord. And you have to say, no, I have to follow Christ instead of following that. Obviously, there's a line there. But short of that, obedience is required of you and and I realize I am a dad and so I realize that dad and mom don't always know all the facts that's true and we don't always make all the correct decisions and sometimes we sin and kind of work things for our own selfishness at your expense that's all true Honor your father and your mother by obeying them. That's true. And what this what this means is this is how all authority and, and submitted, submitted relationships work. The people in authority never are one hundred percent right. And it doesn't matter. Short of sin, the requirement is obey and trust God to sustain your heart. That's that's how it works if your heart is set on it has to be just right it has to work out exactly correct and justice must be done then you're going to be severely disappointed you trust god and say i'm going to obey them and trust you to work in them through them even if it's not right even if it's done for them and not for me short of sinning short of commanding you to sin in the lord you hide your heart in christ and obey your parents the scripture commands. So, the thing you have to pay attention to and to watch out for, and again, if you're a teenager, this might come off as a little bit um, I don't know, demeaning. I'm going to tell it like I tell it to my younger kids. The thing you have to watch for, and incidentally, if you're a parent here, this also is to you, because this is the issue that all of us have to watch for. The thing you have to watch for is that there are two voices. That at the point of every moral decision, they're both talking to you. And this one says, you should get your own way. Right now. No matter what it costs. That's how you will be happy. This is what you need to be fulfilled. They don't know. Get your own way. And this boy said, oh, no, 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 no. That's a lie. That is a lie. That is not what you need to be happy And to be content. Blessing comes from honoring your mom and your dad. The Bible says so. No, 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 that's not true. You know it. When mom says clean your room and you want to play outside, it's going to be a lot more fun to play outside. That's what's fulfilling. Oh, no, 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 no. That's a lie. God does not lie. I have this conversation. This is always the bad (laughs) voice. And what you're supposed to do is you say no to that voice and you listen to this voice. That's the thing you've got to watch for whether you're 5 or 50. It's going on in all of our hearts. At every, moral, every little seesawing moment of moral decision, there are two voices talking to you. And this voice is reminding us of command and promise. Honor your father and your mother. And this voice is lying and offering a shortcut to blessing or alleged blessing. Which one are you listening to? That's what you have to watch you know, in all of your life. There are two voices and children, teenagers and toddlers. God is speaking to you and saying, honor your father and your mother that it may go well with you. You have to do that and you really should. There's blessing tied to it. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in the second point here. But there is not just command, there is promise being spoken by the second voice. Listen to it. Parents, these are your marching orders. You have to be sure that in your home, you are honored. You are obeyed blessing is still tied to it, and you don't have the right to say, ah, I'll put up with that level of disobedience. Because what that saying is, I'll put up with that level of lost blessing to my kids. You don't have the right to say that. These are your marching orders. You must strive towards. It's not going to be easy. Again, I'm a parent. I know this. how hard this is. But this has to be the goal. We are not allowed to say, well, I'm just going to tolerate that or I'm going to strive towards an outward performance of the required behavior, grumbling and angry. That's not honoring. It might look like obedience, it is not honoring. This is required of us as parents, that we strive for this in our homes, because God expects that homes, families, be characterized by the honoring of parents. Children honor, obey, mom and dad. I'm um, Dad, be sure that you're obeyed. How do you do that? Because it's so hard. How do you do that? I'm going to come back to that at the end. But we need to realize we have to do it. There's blessing tied to it. That's the second point. The second observation is drawn from the last half of the verse, the motivation half. Here it is. The experience of covenant blessings is contingent on the honoring of parents the experiencing of the covenant blessings is contingent on it's based on it's tied to comes from the honoring of parents That's what the verse says again pretty clearly honor your parents that so that there's an argument here What's going to follow is based on the first first part, so that it may go well with you, that you may, you may live long in the land. Paul reiterates the same thing in Ephesians 6, and in his eyes, this is a great promise. He points out in Ephesians that it's the first commandment that is explicit about a promise. Now, there's, there's promise and hope implied in all of the commandments. But this is the first one that's explicit. It says there's blessing here. There's a good thing that follows on this if you do it. But to understand, if, if it's going to, I think, that if it's going to fully motivate us, if that promise is going to is gonna drive us, because it's intended to, to kind of work like a carrot, to, ooh, there's something, and, and I'm going to follow that. You know, the, the carrot analogy of how they used to drive animals, not by driving them from behind, but by hanging a carrot in front of them, and the animal would chase the carrot all day long and move. It's supposed to work, this promise is supposed to work like a carrot dangled in front of us so that we chase it and move. But if it's going to work, we've got to understand, how is it connected? How does the blessing flow from obeying this commandment? And I think the answer is in two ways, one a natural way and one a spiritual way. We look at the natural way first. There's a natural connection here, and by, by natural, I mean that it's, it's very physical and the same thing applies across the board, whether you be a Christian or not. There's, there's a very natural blessing here in this. A child taught from an early age to say no to this demanding voice. You should get your own way right now, no matter what it costs anybody else. A child taught to say no to that voice... And to say yes to the voice that comes from somewhere else outside of him, or her, is being prepared in the heart for a productive, blessed life. It's a child that's being taught humility and self-control, to look outside of and beyond the own demands that come up automatically in the soul and to think of what other people want and what other people need. That's a foundation that's being laid just very naturally as that process is enforced. As opposed to you should get your own way, it's a person that's being taught to think, what do others, just generically, mom and dad, teacher, cop, judge, what do others require of me? if that is dealt dealt with from infancy in the home, this is a child that is being shaped in wisdom and in other-centeredness. And what is it that causes fights and quarrels throughout all of life? What is it? James tells us, the book of James, chapter 4, tells us, what is it that causes fights and quarrels amongst you? You want something and you cannot get it. You should get your own way right now, and you can't get it. So what do you do, James says? You covet and you murder. There's two of the commandments right there. You break those commandments because you want and can't get. And a child that's taught to, to say no to that from an early age is set up to prosper in life, in relationships. To deal in peace and in love and in words like sacrifice and service and patience. Humility. That's a very natural blessing, and it is partly in view, and we can tell that because of how the Ten Commandments are set up. The Fifth Commandment, get your home straight and establish this kind of relationship, and then that will affect six through ten. How do you unravel coveting and murder? Part of it is you teach children to say no to this voice. That's how they will avoid lots of quarrels and fights in life. I heard a uh, a number of years ago, I saw a television sitcom. And it was about a father and a son. And the son was an early teenager, maybe 12 or 13 or something like that. And there'd obviously been, I don't remember all the details, but there obviously had been some sort of a conflict in the family. And the son, let's call him Mark. Mark was irritated and stormed off to his room and sat there. And dad came along to kind of initiate a conversation, try to fix things. And Mark is just shutting him down. And then Dad said, here's a line that stuck with me. And this, it's a sitcom, so it, it turns to humor to try to deal with this. And this is the line that stuck with me. Dad says, Mark, we can deal with this now. Or we can deal with it later when the police hand me the bullhorn, crouch behind the squad car in the 7-Eleven parking lot. I shout in, Mark, this is your dad. Put the Slim Jims down and let all the employees go unharmed and there won't be any problems. Which Mark breaks down and laughs. But the point is, one of two places we're going to deal with this. We're going to deal with it right now and we're going to teach you to deal with conflict now and to live outside of your own demands or you're going to have fights and quarrels throughout your whole life. Sometimes it will involve the police. More commonly it will involve divorce court. Hospitals, counseling rooms, battlefields, etc., etc. There is much blessing in teaching children to say no to that from an early age. And the first place they're going to encounter that is in relation to mom and dad, who are constantly going to require things of them. There's a blessing there, a very concrete, physical, natural blessing. But there is a more profound one. That's a spiritual blessing. How how does the blessing and commandment connection, the spiritual one that's, I think, more important than that even. Because remember the context. This is the context of spoken to people who are claiming a relationship with God, who are in a public relationship with God. And so what he's saying really is how do you experience the spiritual blessings of being in relationship with me? Not just physical blessings. How do you experience the spiritual blessings So the land of promise is going to be for them? Spiritual communion with God, spiritual rest, spiritual peace. How do you get that? And the answer, honor your father and your mother because, and follow this here, Because as a child honors and obeys a parent, that child will also be honoring and obeying everything that the parent teaches and says. As the child is taught to hold up mom and dad, and to listen to them, and to respect what they say, and to give deference to it, and to seek wisdom at their lips, Whatever comes out of mom and dad is going to be received or more often received. And the most important commandments, the most important instruction and guidance and wisdom and direction that are going to come out of mom and dad's mouth are not things like be respectful of others, clean up your room, let your sister use that toy, brush your teeth, don't hit. The most Profound instruction that is critical to hear and to heed coming out of a parent's mouth is that which we saw in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Chapter 4 verse 9, speaking to adults, especially fathers in that culture, but it's to all adults, he says, take care, this is the Lord speaking, take care, And keep your soul diligently, lest you forget these things, the events at Mount Horeb, where God came down and the mountain shook, burned with fire, and He audibly delivered His Ten Commandments. Take care that you not forget these things that your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and to your children's children. Verse 10 then, he wants the people to come near that they may learn to fear me. That's a heart attitude, to reverence me, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on earth and that they may teach their children so. God deals very personally with people so that they can pass on their experiences to their kids and their grandkids. So that they can teach their kids and their grandkids. This is the Lord. I saw Him with my own eyes. I heard Him with my own ears. I experienced Him in these ways right here. Oh, son. Oh, daughter. You want to walk with this God. He's real. He's alive. He'll fill your heart. He'll shine like the sun over every moment of your life. And blessing will come from that. And a child that says, Teach me. I want to follow. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to know your life experiences. I'm listening. We'll hear that and we'll take it in and follow. God has fashioned a channel that flows out of the heart of a parent through the parent's mouth and hands as they live into the eyes and ears of a child, into that child's heart. It's a channel of water. And he means, this is the most effective classroom in all the world. He means for the living water to flow out of a parent's heart that has been gripped by Christ. Flowing out of their heart into the child. But a disobedient, disrespectful, rebellious, resistant child who lives over there somewhere has muddied up, clogged the channel. And he cannot hear it and isn't even looking. We must, from infancy, attend to, whether you're a child or a parent of a child, we must attend to a proper honoring of mom and dad because, especially because, believing parents will be imparting Christ to those kids. That's your job to speak Christ and to be sure the channel's open so that he can flow. That's what's needed. A knowledge of God flowing into the heart. Well, how in the world do you get that? Which is the same question as the end of the first point. How in the world do we as children, if if you're a kid, a teenager or something, how in the world do you fight against this voice? Or if you're a parent, how in the world do you teach kids to fight against this voice? Well, it is hard. There is no simple of, uh, we if, if we're honest about parents, we kind of want something simple. A, a program that A and B, and thankfully it'll work. It, there isn't one. But what do you do? From the earliest of all possible ages, and, and if you have kids that aren't at the earliest of all possible age, start today. Don't, don't wait. But from the earliest of all possible ages, we point out Sin, we point out that that is law-breaking, and we point out guilt. And then we point out, but there is one. There is one perfect Son. There is one person who walked the earth and perfectly kept the fifth commandment. Submissive, honoring, and obedient to His Father. Perfectly. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He so thoroughly said no to this voice and yes to this one. And for the joy set before Him, the blessing that was coming, He endured that cross. And so, son, so, daughter, there is a hope here. Though you are guilty, again guilty. There is a hope here. Because there is one who can bear away the curse that's due you for your guilt and can open the door to blessing even though you have broken His law. Jesus. And then more than that, He will give you grace to change your heart that right now is so thoroughly convinced that this is the way blessings found. He'll give you grace, His Holy Spirit to live inside of you and move you to believe that this is a lie and to believe that this is the truth. What are you doing? That? I mean, what is all of that? That's not a, maybe a verbatim conversation you have with your 5-year-old, but it certainly is one you can have with a 10-year-old or a 15-year-old. And as you have that conversation again and again and again, which is simply the gospel, simply talking through the gospel, and pointing them to the need for a Savior, and to the need for grace to change their heart, what you're not doing is hammering on behavior. You're not hammering on behavior because that runs a great risk of skipping right over the heart from which the behavior sprouts. To get at the heart, you need the gospel. To get at the heart and have it change, you need the grace of God. This is how it works for us, too. It's how it works for our kids. And so constantly, in the midst of this conversation right here, this is a lie, but you believed it, didn't you? Yeah. So you're guilty, aren't you? Yeah. What do you need? Grace. Where does grace come from? Jesus. What, what, what are we going to do about the guilt that you have for breaking the commandment? Jesus' cross will carry that away. Yeah. Like He has for me. Part of what opens up the channel is the honesty that I'm in the very same place. That I'm also a lawbreaker. And hey, when I was ten years old, I took up a yardstick and swung it at my mom. And God stood over that living room, ready to pronounce a verdict, and Jesus said, Father, He is guilty. We see that. But we also see, don't we, Father, my cross in which I have borne away the curse. There is an accuser who has a really good case. Pour the curse on me, Father. And we also see my empty tomb and, the, and the, the seat here at the right hand where I sit ever interceding for this one that you have given me. And so I intercede from right now and I plead, would you count to him the blessings that my law keeping has earned? Not his. He has none. You talk like that to your kids all the time. I mean, you could you could probably ask my kids. No, I don't talk like that all the time. Not that thoroughly all the time. Not that clearly all the time. And there's often a din in the background trying to drown it out. It's highly imperfect. But my hope and my prayer, because if you see the scene behind the living room, because you've stood in that living room, probably not with a yardstick from your 10-year-old, but you've stood in that living room with your kids, or kids, with your parents. You've stood there, and there is another scene going on. And if you see that, it will set you to praying. It will set you to praying that the curse will be poured out on Jesus, and that this young one right here will hear the Gospel and believe it as you preach it, as you live it. As you address it to the heart, not just try to squash the behavior. My hope is that as that goes on for 15, 16, 18 years, that it will produce fruit by the grace of God. There is nothing, there's nothing here that is exact one, two, three steps. Here's how it all works out, nice and clean. Life's not like that. Parenting certainly isn't like that. Growing up certainly isn't like that. But with the goal in mind that we have to have families in which parents are honored because we have to have from parents to kids Christ flowing, the God who is to be feared and loved and from relationship from Him blessing flows out, and that is accomplished by preaching the gospel not just to ourselves but to our kids also pointing out to them the beauty of Jesus and the hope that's in him and the guilt that is apart from him with that goal in mind and moving in that direct that direction god will work he will reach down and he will claim kids he will save them he will sanctify them and our, us as parents also Without Jesus, before his heart work, Israel failed in the very next generation. It didn't take long at all. Not long at all. But with Jesus, there is hope. It just led you to praying and to preaching to your kids. So let me pray right now that he would do this work in our hearts and in the lives of our families. Father, there is so much more going on beyond just the disobedience. There is a spiritual realm, a reality out there that we need Jesus and his cross for. And so I thank you for that because it gives us hope. You have provided a way for the curse of my law-breaking, even when I didn't even know I was doing it, to be removed. You've provided a way for the curse of all of us in our law-breaking to be removed. Thank you for that. But Lord, we we need still more help from you, and I know you are honored to be asked for help. And so we ask you for more help still. Because how we apply this, in the moment-by-moment, how we press upon children if we're parents, how we press upon children if we're Sunday school teachers or VBS leaders, how we press upon children the, desire, the, the need to honor and obey. And if we're kids, how we fight against the voice that wants to talk us into doing something else. It's complicated, Lord, and it requires grace that we cannot contain or program. So we ask you, help. Give us wisdom in moment-by-moment steps. Give us grace that changes heart realities as parents give us hearts for our kids to not just control behavior and create order but to shape them to be honoring of Christ you've helped us as a church Lord as we have different classes that try to help with some of the details about how to do this give Give us wisdom as we plan classes and as we attend them, as we think through and discuss the details. Help us. There is much blessing and much promise tied to keeping the fifth commandment. You've told us that so that it can motivate us. And we want that blessing, experiencing your your goodness. So help. Grant to us grace. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Steve Clark of the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City in Salt Lake City, Utah. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. We invite you to visit our website at www.slcebfree.org